find the book of James as we've uh, been studying through this and find chapter 4, James chapter 4. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that we all are concerned with. And that is this, how do you, how do you face the future? Or how can you face the future? Now, the book of James, uh, just to give you some background, it's not like we're just jumping in here. Uh, The book of James, a very practical book on the Christian life, written to help us understand how our faith, how our beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ apply to our everyday living. And all of us have to deal with our future. All of us have to deal with the hours that we've been given. And I was thinking with this weekend being so much about for us as college basketball fans, a big weekend. Now, if you're not a college basketball fan, what I'm getting ready to share with you probably isn't going to mean a whole lot. But let me just kind of do a quick survey. In this room right now, how many of you in the past few days have at least seen a few minutes of a college basketball game? All right. Well, a a decent number of you. Well, one of the things that people will do this time of year with this college basketball tournament that's going on is they will take what they call the bracket, right? And they will try to guess who is going to advance in the bracket. And and there's all these little contests you can get into. and, And what they'll do is they'll do their bracket. And the idea is to see if you can predict who's going to win what game and ultimately get to the championship. And I came across an interesting kind of interesting articles in several different publications. I got some information from the Washington Post, but, but just this past Thursday, CBS Sports reported that by 3.57 p.m. on this past Thursday, with only three of the games completed, only, listen to this, 0.27%, that is significantly less than 1% of the brackets remained perfect in their challenge contest. ESPN reported that only 0.7% of the brackets in their challenge contest remained perfect. So that means this, that out of all these people who made their guesses about who was going to win what game and get and move forward in the tournament, only 0.7% of them got it right who participated with ESPN and less than that with those who did it with CBS Sports. And one, one of the games that, that just totally messed things up for people that no one saw coming was when, I think it was number 14 seed, UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, when they defeated Iowa State, who was a number three seed. That just right there wrecked a lot of things for people. And I share this, I share this news story with you because the reality is this is so often we may pretend to be able to know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we don't. We don't. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, on a personal note, for my family, in the past few weeks, this point has been driven home. Because now, a little more than seven weeks ago, my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And this past Monday, I preached his funeral right here in Colonial Heights. By the way, my family, my wife has just been blown away by your love and your support, your prayers. But the reality is this, is three months ago, or let's go back to Thanksgiving, when they were at my house having Thanksgiving dinner, when my parents were at my house having Thanksgiving dinner, in fact, my mom made this comment. She said, when I was talking to your mother-in-law, 
I had no thought that before Easter, we would be going to the funeral of your father-in-law. Reminds me of Ecclesiastes 9 verse 12. People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. Loved ones, today I want us to understand that James speaks to us about how we're to live our lives. How we're to deal with the reality that we can't really predict the future. We don't really know what's going to happen really honestly five minutes from now. I mean if the power went off in 30 seconds and this building went dark, we'd be surprised. I've been preaching in church services before where in the middle of a sermon, boom, lights went out. Everybody was surprised. It still shocks us that we're surprised when things happen. It still surprises us when we are shocked by what happens in our lives. And James chapter 4 tries to help us come to terms with this. So I'd like to ask you to stand with me as I read James 4. Stand with me in honor of God's word. James 4, I'm going to look down at verse 13. James 4 verse 13 to 17. Hear God's word. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there. And we're going to trade and we're going to make a profit. Yeah, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, listen to this, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him It is a sin. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you will help us gathered in this room today to understand how we ought to face the future, how we ought to number our days, how we ought to live our lives. Oh God, help us to deal with the reality that that we can't really predict our future. God, give us some encouragement today. Lord, give us some warning where warning is needed. Oh, Lord, help us in this very real situation in life. Not a person in this room right now, Lord, this sermon doesn't apply to, that this scripture doesn't speak to. All of us, Lord, have been there or are there or are going there where we're going to be surprised. Oh, Lord, help us to number our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you and be seated. According to Augustine, that famous, famous early Christian writer and theologian, he said, you know, he talks about how God was wise in his decision to veil the future from our eyes. Listen to what he wrote. God will not suffer man to have knowledge of things to come for if he had prescience of his prosperity, he would be careless and understanding his adversity, he would be senseless. W.A. Criswell, pastor who uh, we used to be pastor of First Baptist Dallas, listen to what he said. He said, there must be a kindness and a goodness of God in thus veiling the future from our eyes. For if a man knew what the morrow would bring, he would live in constant fear and foreboding. Dying, he would die a thousand deaths before dying just once. God hides the future from our eyes that we might live in confidence and in hope. 
You see, God knows what's best for us. And in God's sovereignty, the Lord has decided that we can't tell the future. We can't predict the future. No matter who tries to act like they can, they cannot predict the future. And so today I want to share with you from James 4 what I call three mistakes we make when it comes to facing the future, all right? And I want you just to take pen in hand and jot these down. These are mistakes we don't want to make when it comes to facing the future. The first one comes from verse 13, or actually what's not in verse 13. James says, hey, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and we're going to spend a year there and we're going to trade and we're going to make a profit. Really what he's talking about here is he's talking about some businessmen who've gotten together and they've come up with a business plan, but there's something missing in their plan. Anybody notice what's missing in that verse? There's no mention of God, is there? There's absolutely no mention of God. The first mistake we make in facing the future is we plan without God. We plan without God. We come up with our business plans. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with planning. I want you to hear that. Planning is a good thing. The Bible talks about planning. Luke 14, the Bible says, no man goes out and builds a house without first considering how much it's gonna cost. Jesus said, listen, wise people count the cost, all right? In fact, the book of Proverbs says over and over again that if I don't plan in my life, I'm a fool. It's wise to have a plan. He's not talking about planning here per se. He's not saying that having a plan is a bad thing. He's talking about planning without God. I mean, I, I need to have, you know, I have to have a plan for my day. I, I, I need to have a plan for my finances. I need to have a budget. I need to be giving some thought as my, as my children are growing older to, to, to how I'm going to help navigate their lives. My wife and I, we were talking earlier this morning, just talking about our oldest daughter who's 15, how as we're planning about next year. My wife was kind of giving me an update on in Chesterfield County where our children go to school and my wife works talking about how they're having some debate over school schedules. Well, we're thinking through how that might would impact us. Well, we're, we're, we're planning. That's what we're doing. So planning is a good thing. But listen to this. It's wrong to plan without God though. Planning's a good thing, but planning without God is a bad thing. So it's, so it's good to have goals in your business. James not faulting these businessmen for having goals. He's faulting them for not having any thought of God in the process. It's a mistake to face your future. Planning without God. I'll illustrate it for you in the Bible. I think back to Genesis chapter 11. One of my, you know, I guess one of these stories I heard as a child growing up that I've never forgotten um, it's, the, it's the story of the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that? Have you ever heard that? The Tower of Babel. And what happened is these, these very bright people get together and they begin to make some plans for how they're going to build this magnificent tower. And the Bible says this in Genesis 11, verse 4. This is what they said. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See, they have this plan. They're gonna build this magnificent tower, this monument, if you will. In fact, they say this, here's their goal. It's, it's, it's right in the middle of the verse. Their goal is this, let us make a name for who? Ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. 
See, there's a warning here, and God wouldn't stand for it. God, God changed their languages, and God disperses them, and God says, listen, you're not going to usurp my glory. See, God, God thinks it's utter foolishness for us to, to make plans without him. It ought to be within us as children of God. In fact, I think James is making the point here that if you're a child of God, you're not going to plan without God. And if you are a child of God and you're planning without God right now in your life and you have no thought of God outside of Sunday morning, then it's a place for us to come to repentance and for us to say, oh God, forgive us. You see, God needs to be on our calendar more than just Sunday morning at 9.30 when you've marked down to show up here to sing some songs and to listen to a sermon. Are you planning without God in your life? Or are you seeking him? Listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 40, verse eight. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Jesus said this himself in John 4, 34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I'll give you another example. I think of the Lord's prayer itself. Remember these words, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come what? What? Yeah, see, you know this. You know it's a mistake to plan without God, yet so often we will do it. I quoted Augustine earlier. Let me, let, let me give you his classic statement when it came to the will of God. This is what he said. He said, if you want to know how to face your future, if you want to know how you ought to live your life, here's what St. Augustine said. He said, love God and then do as you please. If you love God, you can do as you please. I, I think about the times that I've talked, especially with students and college students and teenagers, and, 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 and they're in the crucible, it seems, of making some of life's major decisions. And I kind of chronicle them like this. I was speaking to a high school group just the other, just the other week. I said, here's, here's some big decisions you face in your life. We're trying to nail down what your major's gonna be, right? You gotta figure out your major. What you gonna major on? You gonna be an electrician? You gonna... You're going you're gonna to be a biologist. What are you going to major in in life? Well, you got you got another decision facing you. Who's going to be your mate? Your major, your mate. Who are you going to spend your life with? Who are you going to build your family with? Who's your mate? I tell you another decision. What's your mission in life? Now, that's bigger than your job. What's your mission in life? But I tell you what really, what really is, is the decision is who's your master? Who's your master? Because really, listen, listen, if you love God, you can really do as you please. But here's how most of us, I won't say most of us, here's how some people have changed it. It's not love God and do as you please, it's do as you please and don't worry about God. That's more how many people live today. You see, what happens when we plan without God is practically speaking, we're atheists. The other day, I, I can't remember where I was. I don't know if I was over at my mother-in-law's or if we were at our house. And, and, this, and this commercial comes on television. A commercial comes on television and, and it's the son of Ronald Reagan. Ron Reagan Jr., I think it is. Ron Reagan Jr. is on there and he's doing this commercial. And this commercial is about atheism. It, he's promoting atheism on this commercial. 
It's a commercial about atheism and promoting atheism. And, and this is how it ended. And this really got my attention. He says, I'm Ron Reagan, proud atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. And I was just like you. I was shocked, offended, and dismayed. Here he is on this commercial, trying because of the legacy and the memory of his father to try to maybe kind of entice some folks into his way of thinking. And I was offended, but I want us just to pull back for just a minute. Now I'm betting there's pretty much most of us in here, we would say, there's no way, it would be ridiculous. There's no way I would ever be an atheist. But listen, if I plan without God, if I plan without any consideration of God in my life, if I, if I go through my days without any thought of God, practically speaking, I'm not much better than an atheist. That's why Solomon says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There's no mention of God. That's a mistake. Let me give you mistake number two. It's presuming about tomorrow. It's the sin of presumption. Here's, Here's what verse 14 says. Yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You see, it's, it's, it's wrong. It's a mistake to live by presumption. To think that, you know, we have all these tomorrows promised to us. I understand how the Bible describes this earthly human life. I wrote some of these down. The Bible describes human life as a leaf. And you know what happens with leaves, right? Grass, a shadow, a cloud. Remember yesterday morning? We were at we the soccer field. It was cloudy and it was cold. Well, by Saturday afternoon, by yesterday afternoon, those clouds were no more, were they? They had burned off. The Bible describes life like a cloud that's passing in the sky. A puff of smoke, a vapor. Life is short. It seems that we go really fast from playing with Hot Wheels to driving the wheels to being wheeled around in a wheelchair. Life, man. Beware of the mistake of presuming about tomorrow. Life is unpredictable. He, he, he makes the point. He says, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'll illustrate it for you like this. Um, it was uh, now, I think it was two Sundays ago. I was preaching in Christiansburg, okay? I'd finished preaching in Christiansburg. My oldest daughter, who's 15, she was with me. And, and we're coming back down Interstate 81. And, I, and I'm talking with Melissa because she wanted to go that week and get her learner's permit. I'm talking to her. I'm giving her like fathers do. I'm giving her this folly advice on driving, all right, out there. You may be a great driver years, and so I'm talking to her about, you know, it's what you're going to have to be careful of, all right? Now, I know, you've, I know you've read the book, Melissa, but I want to talk to you about some practical tips on driving, all right? You got to understand there's a lot of crazy drivers out there. You may be a great driver, but you have to just remember there's a lot of other people out there, a lot of distractions out there. Don't ever, don't be messing with your cell phone while you're driving, okay? There's so many distractions. You're going to have to watch the speed. You're going to have to be careful. There's so many cars on the road. And about that time, we're coming down Interstate 81, and I notice sitting off to the right, hiding in broad daylight, is a Roanoke County police officer. And I glance down at my speedometer, and I glance over at him, and all of a sudden, his lights turn on. 
Now the thought crosses my mind. He may be wanting to come talk to me about what I preached that morning. He might be curious what the sermon was. And I out loud make this comment to Melissa after I say, oh my. I said, uh, now wouldn't it be something if he actually pulls me over? Now to be honest with you, I had not even noticed what the speed limit was. You know how it is on the interstate. Man, I was just trying not to get run over by everybody else. And sure enough, he decides that evidently because I'm driving a Toyota, he has something against me and he pulls me over, all right? Then he comes up and he didn't really seem to be all that interested at all in my sermon. Instead, he wants to see my government papers. So I hand them to him and he goes back there and I'm wondering, I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll, you know, figure out. Maybe something come on the computer that I'm a Baptist preacher and he'll just kind of cut me some slack or something. And I didn't pull a preacher card. I, I didn't want to do that in front of her. I just sat there and I said, now lesson number two, this is how you act when you're pulled over. All right. This is, you sit here and you're very meek and you just sit here and you just mind your P's and Q's. I hope you're paying attention. All right. And, uh, and, and time began to pass longer than it should have for him simply to have looked me up on the computer. And sure enough, he gets out of the car with that handy-dandy little clipboard of his. And I say, oh, gracious, here he comes. And he comes up and he begins to ask me questions. Why, I don't know. Like, how fast were you going? I mean, you pulled me over. You tell me. I mean, you know, he's, how fast do you think you should have been going? Evidently slower. <laughs> um, and he gives me the paperwork and we, we make our way off. And, uh, and that child that I have fed and clothed and raised her whole life proceeds to get on the cell phone with my wife and her mother and talk about how dad has just gotten pulled over and has a laugh at my expense. And I share that with you. And by the way, I was telling this story. I was telling this story because it was fresh to me last Sunday. I had to preach in this church, Virginia, but this, a lawyer comes in to me after the service and he says, by the way, if you ever need my services, here's my card. Um, I just paid it. I just paid it. It wasn't worth the trip back out there. But anyhow, I share that with you because understand this. I didn't even know what was waiting for me around the corner, much less what was going to happen tomorrow. You get the point? We don't know. What's going to happen tomorrow? Don't presume about tomorrow. Life's unpredictable. The second point he makes is he says, life is brief. He says, what is your, what is your life? For you are a mist. You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I want to, I hope, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I want to show you guys something. This hit me. I was watching my little two-year-old niece the other day. She was, her dad was doing this. Y'all build me if this messes something up. Watch this. Just watch that for a minute. Watch that. She was just having a big time with bubbles, man. Watch that. Y'all see what happened in bubbles? I bet you won't forget this, though. Boom. The Bible basically is making the point that compared to eternity, that's how long your life lasts. That's how long your life lasts. 
In fact, the word mist here in the Bible, in the Greek language, it comes from the Greek word atmos, which is the word we get atmosphere from. You see, your life, my life is like a fog that burns off quickly in the morning. Job, Job wrote about this. He said, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. Job continued, he said, man who is born of a woman is a few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and he withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. So what's the solution? Matthew six thirty four. so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow to live one day at a time. We're to seek his face, church. It's a mistake to plan without God. It's a mistake to presume about tomorrow. I'll tell you what, it's also a mistake. It's a mistake to put off doing good. Don't put off doing good. Look at the last verse I read to you, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. For him, it's a sin. Listen to this little poem. Procrastination is my sin. It only calls me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will tomorrow. You see the sin of presumption in this passage of scripture. You also see the sin of procrastination. You see, there are really three things I can do in my life. I can waste my life. That's easy to do. I can waste my life. I can spend my life on things and stuff. Or I can invest my life in eternity. You know, I, I love this thought. I, I want to, I'll give credit. I think I first heard David Jeremiah say this one time. Of course, a lot of other people have said it, and really it's, it's, it's scriptural. Two things on this earth last forever. One's the word of God. The Bible says the word endures forever. The other are the souls of men, the souls of humanity. Did you get that? And David Jeremiah, he made this point, and it ministered to me as a preacher because I spent a lot of my time, you know, ministering the word of God and working with people. And he said this, he said, you know what he said? He said, I work hard, I work hard serving the Lord because you know what? That's investing in eternity. There are two things that last forever. One's the word of God and the other's the souls of people. You know, what we're doing this morning right now, it's not a waste because the word of God endures forever. There's all kinds of stuff we're gonna do the rest of this day. There's ball games we're gonna watch, there are walks we're gonna take. Phone calls we're going to make, but the word of God endures forever. And the other thing, I think about, for instance, inviting folks to come out for the Easter egg hunt, inviting folks to come to Easter services and reaching out to people and ministering to them. You know what? That lasts forever. I think about the love that, that, that folks in our family has been shown this past week because of the passing of my father-in-law. And I tell you what, that's an investment in eternity because family members and loved ones of ours have been blessed and they've taken notice. So don't, don't postpone doing good. Don't, don't put off doing good. The Bible says we ought to invest in serving the Lord. That's what counts. That's what lasts forever. It was Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott famously now said, as, before he was martyred as a missionary in South America, he said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. Don't put off doing good. Don't put off doing good. Jesus talks about this back in Luke chapter 12. You don't have time to turn there, but you can go back and read it sometime. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus, he tells a story about this rich fool he's called who saves up things and stores them up in his barns and he has all these plans that tomorrow I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna go do this and he planned without God. 
He presumed about tomorrow and he put off doing good. And that's not the way we ought to live. I tell you, we need to plan with God. Don't presume about tomorrow, but live today. Make today count. Don't wait on the things you know are the right things to do. Do them now. Don't, don't, don't make the sin, don't commit the sin of presumption or the sin of procrastination because I tell you what it's rooted in and it's found right here in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. It's the sin of pride. It's the sin of pride. It's arrogance. I think back to how the Puritans loved the verse in this passage, verse 15, that says, instead, you ought to say this. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Instead, you ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that if the Lord wills. And that, what they would do is they would sign their letters with the initials DV, which is the Latin, Latin initials for the Latin phrase Deo Volente, which is Lord willing, Lord willing. See, the reality is this, is I... I have been given today, I've been given right now for me to seek God's will and to do God's will. So let me just, I wrote down some things in this, my little notebook here. I just, I just, I just asked myself early this morning the question, well, what is God's will? I wrote a few things down. Maybe you want to jot a few of these down. So what is God's will? If it's a mistake to plan without God, if it's a mistake to presume about tomorrow, if it's a mistake to put off doing good, well, what, what, all I be, what ought I to be about? What is the will of God? Well, first of all, you ought to put your faith and your trust in the Lord. You ought to trust him. 2 Peter 3, 9 says that the, that the Lord's desire is that none should perish. 1 Timothy 2, 4 tells us that it's the Lord's desire that all would be saved. Are you saved? How are you saved? Have you come to the point in your life you've put your faith and trust in the Lord? Let me tell you what else. It's, it's God's will for you to do good, for you to serve him, Ephesians 2.10 and 1 Peter 2.15 and 16. It's God's will that I would grow and mature, that I would be conformed to his image, Romans 8.29. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, it's God's will that I abstain from sexual immorality. See, these are all things that I don't have to wonder about. These are things that God says, you know what? This is, this is my will for you today and every day. Mark it down. Micah 6, 8, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. Boom, there you go. That's God's will. One of my favorite verses from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. These are all, all things the Lord would have me be about. So today, I want to ask us to, to take a look at our lives. Are we, are we committing the sin of presumption, presuming that we have tomorrow? Are we committing the sin of procrastination, putting off today the good that God would have us do. You know, I put this quote, this quote, look at this here. We often worry about the duration of our lives, but God wants the donation of our lives. Let me tell you how critical it is for us today to seek the Lord and to put our trust in him. I have in my pocket here, 10 pennies, 10 pennies. 
If I were to number all of them, each of them will one through ten. Put, shake them up, put them in my pocket, right? What are the chances of me pulling out number one? It's not hard. Don't be scared. One in ten. Now, the odds of me putting it back in my pocket and pulling out number one and then me pulling out number two in order, one in a hundred. And it keeps going like that. And let me tell you, let me tell you what my chances would be of me pulling out penny one, penny two, and all the way to penny number 10 in numerical order. This is a little harder. One in 10 billion. Listen, if I can't even control 10 pennies in my pocket, how on earth would I dare to live my days without seeking God and surrendering to his will? You want to know how you face the future with confidence. You surrender to the Lord all your days. You seek his face and you serve his purposes. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You want to boast in something. You boast that your trust is in the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed for a few moments.